My senior year in high school, I was um, approached. I was, at, I was working at the Rafters restaurant as a busboy, and I was approached by a man at the restaurant, and he said to me, you want to come work for me? And I said, well, uh, like doing what? He said, carpentry work. Let's see, 18 years old, bus boy or carpentry work? I said, well, I don't know a lot about carpentry. He said, I'll show you everything you need to know. And I'm like, I'm in. I quit bus boying. I started doing carpentry work. I did it for about two, two years. Primarily, it was remodeling work. So we would... Um, the big project would be like putting an addition on a house or uh, smaller projects like moving walls or re, you know, putting new windows in or um, all sorts of different, you name it, we did it. And quite honestly, I loved it. You know why I loved it? I loved it because you could see the accomplishment of your work. You know, if you're going to put up a wall or build a door or whatever, you could see that, hey, I got it done and it looks good. And if anything is, was out of whack, you could easily, um, you know, shim it up or plane it off or level it out and make it right. Well, we're in this series entitled Loving Fearlessly. And uh, we've been doing some remodeling work as it relates to understanding what it means to fearlessly love each other. We've been going at it for, this is actually the seventh and final week of the series, and uh, we've started out by talking about why we love fearlessly is for the sake of truth, that we would all live in the truth with one another. And then the next week, we talked about the opposite side of that, and that is to help one another not be deceived by all the deception that is out there. Uh, We built a case for what it means to have mature love. What does it mean to be mature in love for another person? And we defined being mature love as being committed to the very best for another person. In ministry, we talked about at being a church family, how we can love well, that there's really, you know, there's the paid staff, the people that are, in a sense, professionals, and then there's the non-paid people of the congregation, and how we can have a loving relationship with each other for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of what Jesus calls us to bring to our world. Uh, Brian, Pastor Brian, shared how to love difficult people. That, you know, when we talk about loving fearlessly, we are going to run into people that are quite candidly just hard to love. And Brian covered how to, co- how to love difficult people well. Last week, I talked about loving fearlessly because we always want to be promoting that which is good. That it's good to be good, and it's good to live in an environment that's good. And today, we're going to not just do remodeling, we're literally going to build the house from the ground up. How to build a house of fearless love. This is capturing it all, putting it all together. How do we build a home where the construction is good and solid, you know, that's just firm, where the floor joists are, you know, 12 inches on center instead of 14 or 16, where the two-by-fours of the walls are not just flimsy little two-by-fours, but they're actually two-by-eights, you know, where you're using the material of best quality to make sure that this house is good and solid and beautiful. 
How do we construct a bold, mighty, fearless love into our lives? Well, if you're going to build a house and it's going to be strong and secure, you start at the foundation. The foundation has to be solid if the house is going to be solid. And then on that foundation, you set the parameters of the house by those outside walls. And so to begin with, we want to talk about the construction of the foundation and the outside walls. And this construction must be historical. When we think about our Christianity, the firm foundation on which we stand is that it is a faith based in history. The foundational truth that we stand on is secured by the objectivity of history. The text we're going to look at this morning is found in 1 John. The Apostle John wrote three different letters. We've been looking over the past several weeks on the second and third letter. Today, to bring it all together, we're going to dive into his first letter in 1 John chapter 4. Look what it says in verse 14. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. It says this, We have seen, the Apostle Paul says, we, the leaders of the church, have seen and testify that the Father, God the Father, has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now that verse just might be the most concise statement of the gospel in all of the New Testament. What it's saying is that this faith of ours is built on this historical fact. When all the kids were up here, they went through the historical fact of Christmas. The truth of the matter is, God sent His Son Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He was born of Mary. Yes, they were in a stable when He was born. This is historical fact. Jesus came and He grew up, Mary, his mom, and his earthly dad was Joseph. He had brothers and sisters. Actually, in Matthew chapter 13, in verses 55 and 56, we find that he, has, he had four half-brothers and sisters. And he grew up in Nazareth. And he entered the public eye at the age of 30. History tells us that by deed and by word, he showed that he truly was the Son of God, and that He was the Savior of the world. In order to be our Savior, history tells us that Jesus died a brutal death. He was accused of wrongs that He never did. And He died the death to pay for the wrongs that we do. He paid our penalty for our sins. He died so that the whole world could be saved. And if we trust that Jesus died for me, and you trust that Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins, then you can take his death to yourself and know that now you can be made right before God because of that. Jesus was buried in a grave. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And that is why he has the power to give us eternal life. Eternal life is a relationship with God that starts today and lasts forever. We can be sure that we will be with Him because of the historical facts of our faith. This is the historical foundation on which we stand. And upon that foundation, then, we build the parameters of fearless love. 
And it's seen here in verse 15. It says this, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Whoever confesses. To confess is to make a public profession of our allegiance, to, of our alliance, of our relationship with Jesus, professing that he truly is the Son of God. And that means that we trust and we proclaim that He alone is our hope and our security for our eternal destiny. As the Son of God, He is the only one who is in the position and has the power to give us this eternal life. And when we profess that, when we claim our allegiance, we abide with Him. Notice that word abide there in verse 15. That word abide is a very important word in 1 John. Abide actually shows up 24 times in this short little letter. It is the central focus of 1 John. To abide with God means that we have intimacy with God, that we're close to Him. We have a close personal relationship with Him. And the Lord wants us to know His love. And because of knowing His love, we can then fearlessly love each other with a bold love, a mighty love. Once we have that firm foundation and the boundaries to say, yep, I have an allegiance with Jesus himself, then we can start putting up the inside walls, the studs and everything. And once we start getting the, the, the framework on the inside of the house uh, up, then we can take what's called a hole drill, the dr drill that drills holes and start drilling them in the studs. Now you might be thinking, now why in the world would you drill holes in the studs of a house? Well, those of you who know carpentry work know that if you're working with wooden studs, not metal studs, then that's so that you can run wires all the way through. It's so that you can run your electricity all the way through the house, putting in the outlets and putting in the boxes for the lights and putting in the switches and all this kind of stuff. And this electrical power, this current that we want to have running all the way through our house is experiential. It's having an experiential relationship with the Lord. That it's not just something that we read about, it's not just something that's in theory, but it's something that we can feel the power of His love, the energy of His love that we might love others. Verse 16 goes on and it says this, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. We know it in an experiential way. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. There's that word abide again three times in that one little verse. And notice how we have this deep relationship with God is through the deep relationships that we invest in with one another. In the middle of, or at the end of the verse, he says, And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. When we love each other fearlessly, in other words, when we speak the truth in love with one another, when we listen to one another more than trying to talk to the other person, when we get together and say, Hey, let's help each other become devoted followers after Jesus. It produces in us a knowledge of and a faith in God's love for us. God calls us to love each other fearlessly. 
when I was doing that carpentry work, I, um, <clears throat> I remember one big job we were doing. We were actually remodeling a uh, car dealership in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I was living in Milwaukee at the time, and uh, I, I remember wiring up this new office, and I was going to put a fluorescent light above a desk, and the desk was actually already in the office, and instead of getting a ladder, I was like, well, I've got the electrical box right up here. I can, prob- I can reach it if I'm standing on the desk, and uh, I'll just go ahead and wire up this, you know, this big old fluorescent light fixture, and, uh, and we'll just get it. So I had my wrench out, and I had the wires coming out of the box, and I start screwing the wires together, and all of a sudden, I mean, I got zapped to the point where I like, oh! and the next thing I knew, I'm sitting on the desk. I don't know how I went from hands over my head to sitting on the desk, but it like shocked me. It was, what I didn't know what was happening was my boss, Bob, was in the other room testing something and he just flipped the switch on while I'm working on the wire. I don't know if you've ever been electrocuted like that. I hope you never have, actually. But man, it was, it, it wore me out. It like zapped the energy out of me. I was done. And I've got to tell you, I was really scared to go back and try to work with electricity again. It was not fun. However, if I didn't go back, to making sure that everything was wired up correctly, that the current was flowing, the car dealership would have remained in the dark. It's the same way for us, actually, when we think about fearlessly loving and getting this current of love going between each other. Because when we choose to love fearlessly, we can know we will get zapped by one another. See, when we talk about love, we're talking about an emotional connection to one another. And love is messy. Love, when we're loving each other, we can get our feelings zapped, jolted. People can... Knock our feet out from underneath us where all of a sudden we're sitting there and like, how did that happen? But there's no other way to bring the current of God's love into our lives. There's no other way to know the healing, transforming power of God in our lives. There's no other way to know His incredible compassion for each and every one of us. People will remain in the dark on an experiential level when it comes to knowing God's love unless we make sure that we keep going at it. We keep making sure that the current is there. If we're going to wire up this house of fearless love, we must do it even though we know we're going to get zapped. Even though we know people are going to hurt us. Then and only then we'll see God. And the power that he has as he abides in us and with us and through us. Well, next, let's talk about the plumbing. (laughs) When you're building a house, you got to have the plumbing where there's no leaks, you know, where things just seem to be flowing well. 
and the flow of plumbing is impactful. Um, notice verse 17, the impact that this love is, has. By this, love is perfected with us or among us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. How is God? Well, we just read in verse 16. As he is, that God is love, we then bring his love to the world. We are God's pipeline of his love to the world around us. So what we must do is build a house of fearless love so that the world around us can see God's love among us. And then we take that love out to the world. We don't just kind of keep it to ourselves, like so nice to love one another and have a, you know, just really get to know each other. We've got to bring it out to the world around us. And, and get this, the impact of this love has a ripple effect all the way through eternity. Did you see that in the beginning, in the middle of uh, verse 17, I mean? He says, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Confidence that we went all out for the Lord in our life. Confidence that, yeah, we took risks to love each other well. Confidence that we went deep and we weren't afraid to go to those places that we know if God wants us to love each other, this is where we have to go. Where we said we are going to love each other with a pure love, with an uncorrupted love. That's where God wants us to go. This past fall, I opened up the basement door, and immediately, the door that goes down to the basement, I immediately was like, oh my goodness, oh man, <laughs> what happened down there? It was like something died in the basement. I'm like, I don't even know if I really want to go down there, but what's going on? I went downstairs into the basement, and uh, immediately I realized there's some backup in the sewer, and our basement is like, Flooded, ugh, with ugly-looking water. Let's just call it that. And I, I, uh, I, so I, oh, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's something with the sewer, you know. So I called the city. I'm like, hey, I think you might have a backup in your sewer line. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has called you on this, but you know. So they came out. They were really quick. They came out. They checked their sewer line. No, nope, we don't have any problem. Everything's clean on this end. And so I had to call a plumber. This plumber comes, and he, uh, he has this sweet tool. It's a 75-foot auger machine that, like, runs. This big old wheel spins, and it spins this auger, you know, this snake that has these teeth on the end of it. And he put it down in our main drain, and it basically augers out your drain all the way to the road. Have you ever seen these things? You know what I'm talking about, right? So, so he gets the snake down in there. He's in his rubber boots, you know, and he, he gets the snake down in there, and he gets it going. It's, and then that, he just keeps letting out that snake, you know, and it's going down that main drain out to the road, from our house to the road, and it's going all of a sudden. It's like, it's like, it's like stuck, you know, it's like, and then it, then it gets through. Then a little while later, and then it's going again, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like hmm, the water level goes down, and everything just just flows out. And he's like, "Run some stuff upstairs, you know, run some of your stuff." So I'm running it upstairs, running all the all the you know sinks and everything, and 
flushing toilets and making sure there's water running. And sure enough, he goes, look down there. And it's like this nice, smooth stream now just running right out, right out to the road. And, I, and I'm like, that is, you know, I got a little cleanup, but I'm so thankful. I mean, you know, the water coming into the house, no problem. Water going out of the house, oh, man, you know, it just wasn't working. You know, he said that roots actually grow in your drain. Like, they, get, they grow through the cracks, however that works, I don't know, and then they get inside there, and it, like, like massive clumps of hair, you know, which are roots, inside your drain, and it just clogs it up. You know, people have roots. People have things about them that are deep-seated, that are deep-rooted, that just, I mean, they just won't receive love. I mean, love can come in, but it, you know, it kind of gets stuck. Deep things that need to be augured out. Things that we have developed and start to grow even in our childhood. Things that don't let us love deeply and fearlessly. Some of you in here I know maybe heard in one way or another, growing up, you're not really lovable. I mean, if you're really, you know, you're just not a lovable person, that's a lie. Some have thought somehow, well, I've, I've got to fight to be heard. If I'm going to be heard by anybody, I've, I've got to fight for it. And so there's something about us that way that rubs others the wrong way because you just seem to be abrasive, but... These are deep-rooted things. Ah, you're just an object to be used. You know, you're, you're here for my pleasure. Ugh. It's lies. We've heard it. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're not worth it. Big, ugly roots. And if you had to Label them all, you'd say. They're rooted. They've caused us to be people of fear. I can't let someone love me because it's going to hurt. John wrote it this way. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. Fear involves pain. I'm going to get hurt. Harm. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Perfected in love. Is that even possible? Well, the Greek word there for perfected and perfect is the Greek word teleos. It means to be to take from an imperfect place to a place that is free from objection. It's to pay attention to the details so that we can continue to grow in what fearlessly loving is all about. You know, when you're building a house, the person that pays attention to the details to make it look really good in the end is what we call an interior decorator. Um, the interior design is mindful. 
focused on how this looks and what are the little things that we have to tweak. How's the interior design of our church that we're a part of? Are we building a house of fearless love here? Is the furniture of ministry in the right place or do we have to move it around a little bit to love better? Well, let's just start with the children's ministry, the promised land ministry. You saw all these kids up here and boy, talking about Jesus and His love for us seemed pretty clear to me. It seemed like these kids were full of joy, understanding God's love for them. But how do we have to tweak it a little bit? How do we have to move the furniture around to make sure that we're instilling into those little children what fearless love is all about? I mean, maybe on a real practical level, they're always looking for helpers. <laughs> Honestly, if I was not here on Sunday morning, I'd be helping out with the children's ministry. I just love working with kids. They're so much fun. How about the junior and senior high students? Come out on a Wednesday night and see Crossfire on a Sunday night where the older uh, students, the junior and senior hires, go over to Brian and Tiffany, Pastor Brian and his wife's uh, house. Um, Investing in these kids, helping these kids understand what does it mean to fearlessly love, not only God, but love one another and love those around us, to be kind, to be good. When it comes to adults, every single week I think I've talked to you about getting plugged into what we call a home discipleship group where we can actually relate to one another. We can get to know each other. We can, we can grow in what it means to love each other under Jesus. We have character development classes and journey groups. That's to really push us to go where the roots are, to go below the surface, to go after loving fearlessly, rooting out that fear. Never stop tinkering. Always tweaking, moving the furniture around for the sake of loving better. Why... Why build this house of fearless love? Why, why, why go after it? Why do we build it? Why do we risk it when we're probably going to end up getting zapped in the process? When it's not very fun sometimes, and other times it's so beautiful. Why do we expend all this energy? And it takes a lot of energy to be followers after Jesus and to love Him and love each other well. Why do we, why do we spend the energy? Is it so that we get something in return? Because, hey, if I love you, you'll love me and we'll feel good about it. We'll feel good. Why do we expend the energy? Is it, is it so that we can be good Christians? Maybe even the accolades, you know? Boy, you're, you're something special. You just know how to love really well. Or, or we're, a, boy, that's a neat church. They just, they just are really, is that why we do it, for the accolades? No. The answer is found in 1 John 4.19. Why we build this house is found in 1 John 4.19. Look at what it says in verse 19. We love because He first loved us. Period. End of story. How have we known the love of the Lord in our own lives? James 1.17 is really clear. Every good thing given 
And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. He gives us every good and perfect gift. He blesses us. How has He blessed you? How has He blessed me? The greatest gift that He's ever given to us is what these kids were telling us this morning. The gift of His Son, Jesus. This historical fact. Jesus came because He was driven by His love for you and for me. He gives us eternal life because He loves us so much. He wants to be with us in glory forever. Have we known God's powerful, unconditional, fearless love for us? Well, if so, we must love others. We must build a house of fearless love where we tear down the walls when they need to be torn down. We put up other walls where they need to be put up. Boundaries, healthy boundaries. We must remodel when necessary. And when whatever looks out of whack, out of place, we've got to shim it up or plane it down or level it off and make it right. We've got to construct this house of fearless love from the ground up, from the very foundation of Jesus Christ. Construct it as a bold, mighty, courageous love. We must love because He first loved us.